This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This week, the Clarets kick off another Premier League campaign with a home tie against Brighton. This is the Known and Ever podcast. Hello and welcome to another season of the No Name Never podcast. We are back, listeners, back for your weekly analysis of everything Claret and Blue. And goodness me, how time flies. We are now in our 10th season, 365 episodes of our little podcast. And as of recording this, over 350,000 downloads. Listeners, Thank you for your support over the years. It's very, very good to be back, and it's very, very good to be back at Turf Moor. Um, before we get kicking off this week, we have some housekeeping news to let you know. Um, the No Name Never family is expanding this season. Now, if you didn't see this on social media, do go and check this out. Because as well as your podcast team, who will be bringing you the analysis show every Tuesday and the preview show every Friday, we are joined by some familiar faces. Our previous and founder host, Jamie Smith, along with ex-producer Adam Howarth, will be issuing you with a weekly newsletter. If you want to know all about that, please go to nonenever.substack.com where you can subscribe to some news articles, FPL news, quizzes and lots of fun things right into your inbox every single Monday. Um, the podcast team, which is obviously why you are here right now, is also expanding. Um, well, actually, is it expanding? Unfortunately, we did lose Liam last year, um, who has... Um, What's the expression? Joined us to pursue other um, avenues, but you know he's um, he was just getting himself really, really busy with Liam, so he's had to step down to concentrate on some other things in his life. Um, our good buddy George will be, of course, um, stepping up and replacing him with Clarets Trust News. But in terms of panel members, we are delighted to welcome Adam Dennett, who regular listeners will remember as our Fantasy Premier League runner-up last season, and. For those of you who did watch it and listen to it in the summer, our current 
Hope Master Champion. Um, Adam's not on this week, but he will be joining us probably next week and we'll be replacing Liam on the panel. So we are absolutely delighted to have him. Um, for those of you who haven't yet checked out the Port Master Quiz, please do. Hosted by uh, the voice of Turf Moor, Phil Bird. He has uh, gone through, I think it was about three or four heats and a semi-final and a final, um, where we submitted our very own Tom Whitaker as our known and ever representative and pitted his wits against lots of fans to see, um, essentially, Adam be crowned the Pope Master Champion. A lot of fun. All good. So... There we go. Housekeeper matters over and done with. It feels like riding a bike. After my summer off, I feel like I've slotted straight back into it. Um, so here we are. I'm your host, Natalie Bromley, and joining me on the analysis this week is Richard Steele and George Poole. Gentlemen, welcome back. Good morning, all. Uh, <laughs> welcome back, listeners. Um, I hope you had a happy return to Turf Moor. Just shame it was ruined by two late goals. Oh, don't. This is going to be terrible. I was really hoping, Rich, this week that we would have a very um, excited, buoyant start to the season, but it wasn't to be. But let's, let's save that. We'll get into that in a minute. Um, George, how are you after your 450,000 hour journey to get up to Turf Moor yesterday? Was it worth it? Yeah, of course it was. It was really good to be back on, even though, obviously, the defeat in the end. But to be honest, it doesn't really matter. First game, it doesn't really matter about the result. Just getting back on, seeing old faces, seeing some new faces. Just the little routines. Yeah, it just, the, the way I could describe it was it felt like, it did feel like 20 months since I'd last been on, but it also felt like yesterday, you just slot right back into it. Yeah. So yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah, that's that, that's really true actually. Now, Richie and I both were lucky enough to get ballot tickets for the Liverpool game, which we were just so excited to get back on. But even have to go into the Liverpool game yesterday just felt very different, didn't it? It felt properly like we were back. Yeah, the Liverpool game was a strange one, wasn't it? Really, it, you know, we was well. I I was sitting in a completely different area to where we're normally sitting. Um, one thing I was really looking forward to, and and thankfully it happened for me, was seeing faces that I've sat near, you know, for twenty years. Um, the you know the lad who's similar age to me, he's had a little baby during lockdown. So just Aww. little things like that, which is nice, you know. It it it, it yeah. So so it. it it is more than the 90 minutes of just the game itself. And Liverpool felt very COVID-y, if that makes sense. It was like big queues, checks, COVID passes. But yesterday was just great. Um, I go into the foundation club before the game. Me and my dad, that's our rituals. We went in there, watched the, watched the United game, which was good fun to watch. Had a, had a couple of pints and then obviously went on to the turf. And, you know, the, the atmosphere pre-game and... Uh, the reception dice got really gave, you know, made the hers on the back of my net stand up. And the, the start we got with that Tarkovsky goal and the way we played, you felt like it was going to be a real special afternoon. Um, but like I said before, I just went, uh, went a little bit sour. Yeah, it did. Um, George, I think there was there's some good things to, to, I guess, the match day experience itself. There's been quite a lot of changes to the turf itself. But there was some some good things that we've kept. Obviously, I, I heard you had a Benny and Hot at halftime, which I think was um, obviously a good thing to keep up there. How did that feel? Yeah, it's, it was just it was it was lovely <laughs> to just be back under the concourse. Really, obviously, w- walking yeah. up and then getting onto the concourse, and everyone's just the hustle, the sort of hustle and bustle. And obviously, it feels weird at first, but you you quickly slot back into it, and then obviously just buying pre-match refreshments, and it was just like it. That's it. it just felt back to normal and. Uh, just enjoying times yeah. again, really, which is really nice. What did you think about the stadium improvements? I was really impressed. I know, they, I know they're not finished yet. Did feel, I know some fans were a little bit disappointed that, that you know, we were still starting the season with a few things looking a little bit unfinished. But I was really impressed with what we've done. I don't know, because 
I don't, I don't, I don't think I noticed that much really. Obviously, around the ground there's the the black painting and all that, all whatnot. But like all the signage isn't done, and like the refreshments are just exactly the same, just just pies. You know, they, they had pizzas a couple of seasons ago. None of them. Whoa! No, yeah, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Just pies. These are Holland's meat and potato is, pies, George. Like, have some true, respect, Jim lad. <laughs> you know, it just feels like very dated in there, and I think it'd have been a lot better if the, mm. the advertising boards had obviously been done. And I, you know, I presume they'll be getting done before long because there's no sponsorship boards up at the moment. I think you might be starting a generational warfare here on the on the podcast, um, young George, because like the XG generation want fancy pizzas and and all sorts of half time entertainment. You don't mess with that at turf. You get Benny or not, and you get a pie. Listen, I remember the Furore when we got hot dogs. Like, do you know what you mean? Just be careful. Um, but actually, saying that, George, you sit in the Bob Lord, don't you? So I wonder whether you notice this as much. Rich, the um, what's it called? The, the all of the new dugouts and everything. I thought it looked really smart. Yeah, I thought the ground looked quite different. Actually, it's it, it's funny people's perceptions of it, isn't it? Actually, um, yeah. I really like the black and yellow paint. I think it makes it stand out a little bit. Um, I thought the ground was looking good. Yeah, it's you know it's not quite finished yet. Um, I know there's building contractors because because my dad works in that industry are having issues with getting supplies in. Yeah. For one way or another. Um. So, but yeah, I think it's good to see those kinds of improvements. Personally, I couldn't give two hoots about what's served in the game as long as you win. <laughs> I've always said that. I don't care what electronic boards are going round or anything like that. If it brings money in, the one thing that does annoy me. I sit in the James Hargreaves upper. I, I don't have a clue what time it is. Just yeah. have a little clock on the other side of the stadium so I can see what time it is. Like I had no I really no idea what minute Brighton scored in. I actually thought there was longer of the game left, to be honest. Um yeah. but, you, but you know, but you but you can see the direction that the new board are wanting to go in. Um with you know, with 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 all with all the improvements and obviously it, it is gonna take time, you know, there's a lot of uh, there has been a lot of mourning on Twitter the last couple of weeks. I've felt more so than normal. And I think it's just a frustration. And I think there is a lot of uncertainty. I think, I know we're going to come on to it, the news about Daz has rattled a lot of people. And, and I think rightly so. But, you know, I think we are trying to move in the right direction. But it, it is going to take time. I think Burnley were, quite, were, were an old-fashioned club um, in terms of, the infrastructure and and all the advertising and, and and the ground type of stuff and I think Alan Page really wants to bring it into the 21st century and it is going to take a long time to do it. Um, so yeah, that's my thoughts on it really. But I think they're really good points actually, Rich. It's like I think football fans, generally speaking, are quite an impatient bunch. But you we, know, people don't like change either. Sorry to interrupt. No, you're all right. The the club's been like it has for so many years. Like I was speaking to an older lady yesterday, and she she doesn't like these changes. Obviously, the cashless is a big one, etc., etc. You know, and and all of a sudden we've you know we've got new owners, American owners coming in, and, and I think people are just a little bit scared that they're going to lose the club that they've had for 60, 70 years, especially this older generation. Yeah, and that's a genuine worry. And I think we were very mindful of that when Pace and his team first brought all, brought the club. It's like, it's really difficult because you want you want to bring success to your club. You want to drive it forward. You want to give a better commercial offering. And sometimes, you know, I get a little bit frustrated because there's a, there's a regular beef among Burnley fans that the, there isn't the support there in the transfer window. And the, obviously yesterday, which we'll come on to, is a prime example of, of, of lack of depth in the squad costing us. Um, but and then you know you talk about spending money on players, but 
the end of the day, the only investment that the club has at the moment is, well, it's not the only, but predominant income streams through TV rights. And, you know, if you carry on having to play a small squad and you don't have those flair players that don't entertain, TV companies don't want to put you on the TV. So you're not generating more income from TV rights. You're just getting a bare amount. And if you don't increase your commercial offering and get some investment from outside of those TV deals, then you're not going to have the funds available to increase the the playing quality. So you're in a never-ending cycle of problems and and fans sometimes just need to take a step back from that fear and say, well, you want quality on the pitch, you want to stay in the Premier League, you want to see us going forward every season. That's not going to happen with just direct-to-investment because no clubs run like that. you know, I, I get it. I understand people are concerned and nervous, but I think sometimes you just need to take that that step, that deep breath and say, "Well, these changes are going to help us in the long run." But um, yeah, I agree. I liked I liked the turf yesterday. It did feel, it felt nice. It felt a bit shiny and it felt a little bit more modern. And I think the dugouts particularly look really impressive because that's one thing I've always felt a little bit like oh they look a bit naff um i quite like the fact that there's still wooden seats in the cricket field stand and fans more about away fans more about that i think it's great i think that's that's your right of passage when you come to turf more you sit on wooden seats for 90 minutes and you can like it but things like the dugout and the advertising boards and the tv i think are, are really good um anyway we've, we've gone on a, a bit of a, a detour then away from from the game let us dive straight into it i was i think i'm maybe psychologically i was trying to put this off but george a dream start. Brighton at home. Now, we all said before we saw this game in that whilst you don't want to get too dramatic and talk about must-win games at the start of the season and panic about early losses, the reality of Premier League football is that there are only a certain number of home wins that you have each season to be able to realistically get three points from, which is where you get your close bank. Your close bank? Nope your points bank from, I went into lawyer mode then, um, and Brighton at home, a team we fully expect to be around us at the end of the season, is such a team. And I think they started that first half, A, realising that, and B, executing a very good game plan. Yeah, we were absolutely terrific right from the off, just proper up and at them. You know, as soon as they came out the tunnel, you know, you got the crowd behind them. I, I know a lot of the players said pre-game, they're looking forward to, you know, that roar when they come out the tunnel. Uh, I think that you know, that was really there to start with, so it's brilliant to hear. And then it just it gives the momentum to the players there. You set you saw Brighton on Friday night, uh, sorry Brentford on Friday night. What the the crowd can do. The same with United at home, um, and it was just getting up and at them. Two minutes in, getting back to what we're doing best. Really, it was really it was really good attacking football, and then to win the corner. And then I I think we were threatening from the set pieces all day. I, I know like towards the end he started catching a few, but. It was really good good to see that we're still a real threat from the set pieces. And even though it's been a season and a half since we started plonking it on the keeper's head, teams still can't deal with it. And it's just good to see Tarks getting a goal, smiling, and hopefully going to be here for the season. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, is that, Rich? And I think from all of the media post-media reports that I've read about the game, I think there was a common consensus amongst journalists that Brighton, for a good 60 minutes, just could not cope with Burnley's physical dominance, their aerial dominance particularly, and just this counter-attack that they just couldn't deal with. And I guess that's not something you always associate with us. Yeah, just echo the thoughts George. George, George said uh, the first half in particular, we were outstanding. Um, you know, you went down to the concourse at half-time and you're speaking to people 
and there was just such, such a buzz about it. Um, as I said, just at the start of the podcast, it's going to be a brilliant afternoon. But it was just that niggling feeling, weren't there, at the back of your head that, you know, at, at this level, if you if you don't take your chances and you got, don't go 2-0 up, um, it can come back to bite you. But, you know, there was definitely a lot of positive to, to, you know, to take from the game. I thought, what I noticed in the first half was we didn't hoof it up every single time. No. Pope got it. You know, we was actually passing it out to me and Taki a little bit. And, you know, even if we hit it long, we was hitting it into the channels. It wasn't just a, a long ball. And, you know, we played some really good attacking, high-intensity football. And at times, Brighton couldn't cope with it. Obviously, they had a £20 million signing. I can't... Empoff, em, some, something similar to that. Um, who you know who, who come from Salzburg? He got dragged off at half time. He was almost like, "Wow, this is the Premier League." And as the game went on, you seen it slowly, 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 just getting away from us, getting away from us. They were starting to get more joy down our left hand side, and there was almost a sense of a bit, a bit of inevitable when that ball come across and they scored. So that's just a really disappointing thing. Is is that we were so dominant, to, you know, at least in the first half, and then even the start of the second half, we was on top of them, and then you're going back to corners. First half, the corners were excellent. We got them away from the goalie, didn't we? Yeah. But then second half, we went back to our old tricks. Corner straight, corner straight at the goalie. He's caught it. They score from a counter. I was just screaming, me, bring him down, foul him. Do you know, like when Basuma was getting away, they let him go through and next minute, it's in back of your net and you go, bloody hell. Yeah. Oh, it's happened again. It sounds again. I think the corners were even more frustrating by the fact that their goalkeeper was flapping as hell, George. I mean, he looked absolutely terrified in that first half. And, and we just, you know, we shouldn't be giving him easy spots in corners there. It's just, it's not that difficult to figure that out. True, but just play devil's advocate, for the Tarkovsky goal, that, that's writing the keeper's, keeper's button all. You know, if he's a good keeper, he catches that. So it's just the fact that in the second half, he's in pretty much the same spot every time but the keepers improve throughout the game. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, true. It, you're going to have to yeah, take the risk of putting it in that area and hope that the players basically hold off the keeper, put him uncomfortable enough so then it's a really easy nodding like Tark's had. You know, we had Ben Mee, ben Mee again with the header that hit the crossbar and obviously throughout the game, he just got a bit more confident and towards the end was snatching everything. But, you know, you win some, you lose some and we won one yesterday. Yeah, that's true. Um, George, where did you sit with... Um, so obviously it was a very early goal which was great for us as well and it was it felt very nice cheering the goal at Turf and we didn't manage to do that against Liverpool so I was very much looking forward to that um, there's a lot of talk in actually not in all corners of the press some are talking about it and some aren't talking about the controversy around the Tarky goal I don't it's a funny one really because when I first saw it I was like nah there's nothing in that and like that's absolutely fine Brighton are obviously going up in arms because they do they haven't lost their dramatic touch in lockdown I saw that um but in other respects when when it went to VAR I you know we saw that overruled a lot last season but VAR very comfortable now just saying no actually there's nothing in that goal stance did you share that that I guess yeah, I thought it was brilliant from uh, VAR, and I, th- I think what you saw in the Euros over the summer how well, how good VAR can be when used right by the officials. You know, it's it's always been the rules and the the officials which are the issue, not VAR, uh, so to speak. But I thought match of the day sport brilliantly on this last night on the talks push, and both Ian Wright and Alan Shearer both said absolutely not a foul for me because what you had was you had mm. Brighton player it was Morpé who's a right little 
right little cheat anyway. He's a proper little sod. But he, he was literally just staring talks down. Allegedly. Can we just like not <laughs> not completely like stand like that? I don't want the first first episode back I'm getting sued by Premier League footballers. You know, they, George Poole speaks personally, he does not share the thoughts of the non yeah, never opinion, Neil is not Neil is not at the top of my Christmas card list. Neil Morpe is a cheat and he'll bright and, and get relegated. Oh my god, what are you doing today? <laughs> You're a cheat. And that's Richard's opinion. Okay. Uh, Moving on, moving on, moving on. He wasn't looking at the ball. He wasn't looking at when Westwood was taking it. His one role was to block Tarkovsky. So, and the way Tarks Tarks was really good in his post-match interview on match today, he said, if there's a guy there and he's just there to block me, I have every right to push him and to to do what I can to block him from blocking me. And that's exactly what Alan Shearer said on match match today. He said, absolutely fine with that. And it's really good that there's a lot more physicality been allowed by referees this year. You've seen there's been a lot of changes with the handball rule, um, with the offsides, and it's yeah. just given the attacking side the, the leeway more often. And I think the more often yeah. that that happens, the more pleasant experience it is for a fan. Because I wasn't even thinking about VAR when the goal went in yesterday. It was just pure joy. Absolutely. Can I just get something there? Mm. I don't know if you will come on to it. How bad was that referee? Awful. Oh my god. After what going going back to the you know we can talk about VAR which is which does seem better after watching the Euros and how in control and decisive the referees was that clown we had referee was absolutely horrendous it, it, the inconsistency of his decisions was absolutely shocking like Taylor ran through he could have been sent off he basically pulled him back on the edge of the box nothing Tarkovsky wins a clean header it's a yellow card. Just, I just thought he just completely lost control of the game. From that first minute when the Brighton players surrounded him, a strong referee would have said, get away, it's a goal, yeah. get on with it. He, let the, he looked like a little schoolboy around, yeah. you know, around a bunch of bullies. And, it, <clears throat> and he let him manipulate him. I just thought I just needed to get out there because I, I just thought he was terrible yesterday for both teams as well, so we're not just being biased. Yeah, no, I agree as well. And I thought uh, the, the consistency point was a big one for me. I think when I just completely lost, wrote him off at the end was was the decision towards the end. I think there were a couple of reds that he could have given yesterday. There was that pull on Taylor, I think, quite late on, which I thought was, was shocking. That was the one that was the free kick outside of the goal, wasn't it? I thought he missed that. But the one for me was, and forgive me, I can't remember which Brighton player it was, we'd won a free kick when they were trying all their best to, like, cut the game out and delay and do time wasting which as a quick side note I have zero problem with there were so many fans across our um, uh, what's it called seats yesterday were whinging at Brighton about them trying to see the game out of 2-1 I was like hang on a minute do we not deliver the masterclass of doing that like you can't whinge about that when we do it like the best in the league for that anyway that's a quick side point but he booted the ball away and it nearly went into the cricket field stand which is an absolute yellow card okay. it, was cheated. it Mope? oh thank you uh oh um, anyway but he did Mope I couldn't remember who it was but Mope booted the ball away which is a yellow card and the ref bottled it. He didn't give him a yellow card because Mope was already on a yellow and it would have been a red. And listen, I don't know how true this is because some fans sometimes do exaggerate in the heat of the moment. But I did hear a few people saying that he did start to get his card out and then literally just changed his mind. Um, but I, that that for me was just, I just wrote him off at that point. I just thought, and Rich, you're absolutely right. It's the strength of character. It's like you are dealing with elite professional sportsmen in this league some of the best in the world in a very high stakes league 
not only do you have to be technically excellent, but you have to be strong of character. And it's just depressing as hell that after, what, 10 years or so now, we're still in a situation where we've got the best league in the world with all the money in the world and a really poor standard of referees. And VAR has made it more difficult because they're too scared to make a decision, which is weird because you think it'd be the other way around because they can make a decision and it gets corrected by VAR. Um, Rich, staying with you, actually, I just want to pick up on that point that George made about VAR and the success of it in the Euros. Um, I completely agree with that in that yesterday just felt so much better. And I think, for me, the Premier League run under a phenomenal amount of pressure this season to increase the performance and the, um, I guess, the, reduce the controversy of VAR following such a successful Euros. And part of that we're being told is that they will be less inclined to overrule decisions like yesterday and start being quite particular. And I think that's very welcome. Yeah, good. Yeah, definitely. I think if it's an obvious mistake from the referee, um, then... <laughs> you know, then obviously overrule it. But I think there needs to be some more referee discretion within it. You know, we watch, well, certainly myself, watch a lot of other sports involving, um, obviously, like video, you know, replays, cricket, rugby, etc. And they, and they do go with the on-field de- decision more often. Um, and But one thing they need to do, even that de- decision yesterday took a little bit of time. They've, they've got to be quicker with the de- de- decision-making. You know, if it's like like you were saying, Natalie, if it's not clear and obvious after 20, 30 seconds, get on with the game. That's what I thought in the Euros. It was quick. It yeah. was efficient. Um, you know, e- even yesterday, we were, we were standing there in the stands waiting, you know, to see if it was a goal or not. But hopefully VAR will be better this, this year. I think VAR is best used when you don't notice it. And it Very became... And it, and it just became, literally, in most games last season, a, a massive, massive talking point. You know, there was a few games last season where um, handballs were getting given and, you know, and, and goals were getting disallowed, which was just ridiculous. So, fingers yeah. crossed um, that will continue. Like I said, I think the goal yesterday was, you know, was perfectly fine. There was a bit of a push from Tarkovsky, but like George said, <clears throat> you know, you can't just stand in somebody's way, Um you know, and then not expect to get barged out out the out the way a little bit. Um, so yeah, fingers fingers crossed it continues to be to be used appropriately and efficiently. Yeah, I think another real change that I, I missed yesterday, and I, I only noticed it a couple of after a couple of subs. It, has there been a real change now about players not needing to leave the field when they've been injured? I missed that in the summer, which I am absolutely delighted about. I think that was a stupid rule, but yeah, I, I think that has changed hasn't it, this season. It certainly, it certainly, I can't claim to have read the referee's rule book, uh, maybe a few years ago, but I haven't read the updated <laughs> one, that's the issue. Um, but yeah, it appears so because there was definitely a couple of occasions in the first half where certainly Basuma went down, another Brighton lad went down, and they didn't have to leave the field to play. Uh, but there's been no, yeah. there's been nothing in the media really about that, but I suppose it's not really a headline grabber, that is it. No, but it is a good rule to get done because it's. Like, I always felt that when I was watching it. You think, well, it was brought in was that rule to stop time wasting, which was in theory great. But all then that happened was is that the, the team that that were not at fault got punished twice. It's like, well, you get fouled, you get the free kick, you're in an attacking position, and the player who's been fouled while you're in said attacking position has to leave the field, which is just dumb. Um, George, just a quick heads up there. It's like you're our new Clarets Trust representative, so you know, you're know you just going to have to read the rules because I'm going to call on you for all judgments on rules and anything formal. So, you know, no pressure. Um, 
<laughs> before we move on to just have a look at what kind of went wrong from the 60th minute onwards, which I think, considering the social media feeds last night, there are a couple of very obvious ones that fans feel. Um, a quick note, George, on JBG, who yesterday was just outstanding. It was absolutely brilliant. It, it really was. Um, I thought... You know, obviously going into the season, we've got real worries. You know, we've got literally two wingers in the squad and one of them's Goodmanson, who is perennially injured, which is just a real shame because he's one of our most unappreciated players in the past five years. You know, ever since he signed, he's got a, an incredible amount of, of assists uh, per game. You know, every time he plays, he's effective and he's, he's got that right wing slot just on lock if he's, a, if he's fit. And it was so good to see yesterday... I think he he was even he stepped up another level. He had the confidence right from the off to take on a man, to to cut inside two two people when they're coming at him. He was really on it attacking wise. All he was thinking about was how can I get a, the ball into that goal? Whether it was running at his fullback, whether it was cutting inside and taking a fullback away, so then Lawton can overlap. A, 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 an example where he could have played it through to to Woody was running sort of towards the co- corner, but instead he held on for it for a second longer hit it with his right foot, obviously his weaker foot, and unfortunately it hit the post. But I think all first half, he was really on it. And the same for McNeil. Both really dangerous, putting in some superb crosses. And with Wood up front, he can feed on that. And I think it's just a real positive going into the season. If Goodmanson can stay fit, and obviously it's a big if, but he's had a full summer behind him, he wasn't in the Euros or anything like that, he'd be a brilliant, brilliant player for us this year. A quick note on that, though, uh, Rich. There's, there's strong suggestions in the press, particularly local press, that we're signing Maxwell Cornet from, is it Leon, who he's coming from? Um, which, as a quick aside, by the way, somebody around me yesterday said that if we do sign him and he isn't given squad number 99, then we'll be hugely disappointed, which I just <laughs> thought was just a hilarious bit of banter. That would be very amusing. Um, I also would be very, very funny to see all of the overseas Premier League fans just not understanding that reference at all, which would be very funny. Um is there? Yeah, sorry, I got derailed then with talk of Asker. Um If we do sign him, uh, Rich, does he come in behind JBG? Does, is JBG first choice or does JBG get dropped? Going back to you can't, you, you know, you can't. When was the last time it was actually 99p? You go to an ice cream van now, it's like £2.50 for an ice cream and a cup. Oh my God, yeah, yeah, very quick pause here. And, I, you know, the, the, that's more important, isn't it, than Burnley? You know, it, the, it certainly the, the is. Of ice cream. <laughs> We like to be a community podcast and we like to, to bring you groundbreaking and cutting edge news. And I, I put the, the rise in ice cream 99, um, 99 ice creams up there with the rise of Fredo prices as well. It's one of the scandals yeah. of our generation. Anyway, yes, going back. <laughs> Football. Who are we talking about? <laughs> no, <laughs> I know you've got yourself doing well <laughs> Maxwell Solero. <laughs> He's fab. Hey. Oh, <laughs> <And>, um, <laughs> it'd, it'd be a great signing though wouldn't it it's an exciting signing I've I seen someone tweeted it, it'll be nice to have a, have a change of somebody who signed because he's a good bloke who lives in Alderley Edge which seems to be our main remit for the last few years um, you know but it, it is an ex- listen I think if Goodmanson's playing well of course, he, he probably doesn't get straight into the team anyway. And, and I didn't think he would do because he needs to get Dice fit and all that stuff. But, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd really like to... I know Dice loves 4-4-2. I just think sometimes in games we lose so much in midfield. You know, I was saying this to Jot, uh, to you know a few people. I, I'd quite like to see McNeil playing that number 10 and then he can maybe play Carney on the, on the, on the left, especially games of, you know, 
you know, yesterday against Brighton, you know, we just got overhauled in midfield. You know, I know people were, you know, were calling Cork again like they do yesterday, which I think is unfair, the criticism he gets. But when, I, I don't care who you are, when you've got two midfielders playing against three, it's always difficult. I know uh, we've possibly gone, um, gone gone off track here a little bit, but yeah, it would be a great signing, wouldn't it? And it could be like a bit of a game changer to us, like, you know, like Defoe wasn't he come in and really added that quality. Um, you know, I think it's a signing that really gets off his feet. Um, fingers crossed he does come. Um, you know, and we don't end up with like someone from the championship like Jed Wallace, which would be a, ma- a major, you know, disappointment. And that's nothing against Jed Wallace. He could come in and do okay for us. But I think this would be a statement signing. Yeah, I seen agree. yesterday afternoon that he's actually been picked in the Leon squad for oh, today. Really? Which I thought that's I don't know about. I know George is going to wave at me here. So go on, George, I, I, before I, I carry on and get I, anything I more. I think wrong. I might be the one wrong here, but I'm pretty. Sure I translated that that tweet. I'm pretty sure it was one of the local journalists who said, you know, when Borden says, "Oh, expected lineup for tomorrow." I, 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 I actually put him uh, from the official website in the squad list. Apparently, he was. He wasn't like um, it's, uh, what do you call it when he wasn't um, not subscribed into the squad. Do you know what I mean? Registered, he registered, registered like, yeah. But I, but my thing is, if if we've had a bid accepted, we'd come through on Friday when, when it started coming out. So possibly this bid got accepted maybe on a Thursday or Friday morning, and he's having talks over the weekend about true, a deal. True. Surely he wouldn't be in the squad. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. And that far ahead, and we're maybe not that far ahead. I wonder if it's a tactic. I wonder if it's a tactic, Rich, because, I mean, you know what we're like, you know, we like to eke every bit of value out of it. And there's also... I thought the bid was accepted, so... But personal terms haven't been done yet, so if we're trying to, if we're not messing around, if we're messing around with personal terms, it's not done, Leon might genuinely have a bit of a wobble and think, Jesus, if this falls through and the player can't do this, we need to get him registered because he's not going to go anywhere else. So, it, you know, I'm, I'm going to try not to reach too much into that. It might just be a safety precaution. Well, they play at 12 today, so I'll be interested to see at 11 o'clock if he's in the team. Wish they go. As we record this podcast, it's 10.39 on Sunday morning. And for, for some reason, listeners, uh, Matt, producer Matt got us all up at an God on Earthly time on a Sunday morning to record this week. So um, Actually, it's working quite well. I think we were all very surprisingly alert for first thing Sunday morning, although hilariously, Just... listeners, um, we were supposed to be joined this morning by Tom, um, who texted us about two minutes ago to say that it was a heavy night last night and he has only just woken up. So thanks for your commitment to the podcast, young Tom. He decided to go out last night and get uh, a few too many shandies rather than get up this morning and join us. So Can I just know. say, Natalie, because yeah. me and George both know this. Tom's clearly your favourite podcaster. And <gasps> I purposely didn't go to, I purposely didn't go to the pub last night so I could wake up for this this morning. So oh, my God! I me, me and George speak about that, don't we, George? Yeah, I, Thomas, I, 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 I did not have a few hours in Wally last night, but I actually I decided, no, I've got to yeah. get my head down, get a good night's sleep because I've got to get up and podcast in the morning. But Tom clearly doesn't have the same commitment. No, that's Tom not true. I feel, I'm absolutely devastated that you think that. Gosh, this is this is a you'd be having completely like side. What's the word? Side blindsided. Blindsided. Side blind is another word. Blindsided by this. Tom is absolutely not my favourite podcaster. He is 
You make, it, you make it sound like he's your really fair for it. He got picked to do the quiz and nobody else even got consulted. That Whoa! That's not true. I'm going to find that screenshot. We we put it to all of you and you all went, no. <laughs> yes, I'm not having that. That is a scandalous slander, Richard Steele. Uh, no, I, I can categorically confirm that Tom is not my favourite podcaster. I love you all equally. Um, like so, like yeah. any good parent I'm, says. I'm just, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You're all my, yeah, my little boy's all around me. I'm like, no, you're all equal. Although, is Tom the oldest? Maybe he's like the firstborn child. Maybe that's what it is. There's a bit of firstborn favouritism. But no, definitely not. NB for TW. Rich, stop it. Um, anyway, moving. <laughs> Honestly, it's a sample of what my voice sounds like now. Just go out of the shower. A podcast is not happening. I'm sorry. Um, I'm not reliable enough to do Sunday morning. <laughs> so, so in the past, in the past, in the past, in the in the past three minutes, you've outed Tom for missing our recording, and you've called him the oldest of the squad. Poor, poor Tom. <laughs> See, it's clearly not my favourite. What can I say? There you go. Anyway, moving on, moving on, listeners. We've got uh, we're starting as we mean to on this season. Um, George, I think it's pretty clear from everybody's view who was at that game yesterday that. Um, the substitutions won it for him and it was hugely frustrating for us in that after a very dominant first half display we could have gone 3-0 up at one point you know JBG hit the post Ben me had that header as well um, that, that was, should have gone and got about as close to the line as I think I've ever seen um, Potter made two substitutions he brought uh, is it Moda 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 um, on and um, is it Alexei McAllister. Is it, is it pronounced McAllister? Is it McAllister? Is there a gap? I don't even know how to pronounce people's names. But Potter brought both of those on and they changed the game. George, a luxury that we simply do not have. How are we going to deal with this in terms of our Premier League survival this season? Because we should not have lost that game yesterday and it was a bad loss. And it was all down to an opposition manager who is one of our competitors having the ability to not only bring fresh legs on, but to bring players on who can change a game and turn around a deficit. Yeah, see, this is just this is the the issue in a nutshell for me, really. Um, obviously, they 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 scored to make it um, to make it one one, and that was in the seventy third minute. And then quickly after McAllister or McAllister, um, anyway, whichever it is, the, uh, the the Scottish the Scottish Argentinian, he scored to make it two one. And then our first thought is to bring McNeil off, and okay, he was probably absolutely blowing out of his backside because he didn't check back for either of the goals, may I say. Um, but, you know, he was clearly probably tired. So he's like, right, need to bring McNeil off. Oh, right, look to my bench. Which winger shall I bring on? Should I bring on option A, which is we have zero wingers? Or should I bring on option B, which is we have Brownhill who can fake fake it as a winger uh, if needs be, just like I had to do yeah. with Jeff Hendrick a few years ago. And, and it, just, it just screams everything that you need to know about our squad. That Brighton can bring on Adam Lallana, by the way, who we haven't mentioned. Brought on Adam Lallana. Oh yeah, he was fantastic. Yeah, another guy well. who just made it tick. Uh, you know, they got all these options on the bench, and they're not amazing options. They're not like real top ten players, but you know, really good attacking options for a bottom half side. Meanwhile, we have to bring on Brownell, who's a cracking centre mid, but he's playing out of position on the right wing, and that's our attacking sub. It just says everything you need to know about our lack of squad depth and the fact that we need to get at least. Corner over the line and, and another winger uh, as well. I'm sure we'll mention Aaron Lennon later. So the, the, the reality yeah. is we don't have enough to bring off the bench 
to, to to change the game in that aspect. It's all well and good having four strikers. I like them all, you know, with the, they've all got their own um, pros and cons about them. But the issue is getting creativity into that side, which isn't going to come from yeah. Brownell on the wing that much. So, yeah, it just said a lot about no, what we need to do this summer. It's true. And I think we talk about this a lot. You, you talk about a small squad and you talk about a lack of signings and we often focus on injuries and suspension and, and things like that and maybe having to, to shuffle the, the squad a little bit post-game. But I don't think we make enough, Rich, of the fact that this is another impact of this, is that when you've got no options on the bench, you're just, you're just hoping that your strategy pre-game works and you've got nothing to change it. I, you know... We, we we all love Dice, don't we? I, I I I can't. He can't not go blameless for that yesterday. Okay. The sub he made was completely wrong. Bringing oh, Barnes on, who looks like God. better suited in the Wiggins Veteran League, was to me just the wrong, completely the wrong. I don't. I'm just not having. I know George is a bit different to me. He feels he can still have something to offer. Or, you know, maybe that's the way it sounded last night on our group chat. The way I took it, George, I just don't think he's got anything to offer anymore. I'm, I agree. I I think that drink driving stuff I didn't like at all. Um, I just thought it was time to let him go in the summer. Me, yeah. you know, you got a really talented young winger coming, uh, young striker coming in there, but we need another striker. But to me, yesterday, I just would, you know, I, I said it before about four five one. It was obvious what what was happening. Basuma was getting on the ball. Who <laughs> Basuma was, was getting on the ball? Who is a very, very good player. You know, you've got Liverpool, United, Real Madrid. I've seen a, a link with him. He's going to have an excellent career. Um, but you know, no one, no one got close to him. It's like the Newcastle game last season. Saint Maximum's yeah. come on. You know, we're you know we're getting caught between the lines, and then he goes and scores too. I just think we're winning one nil. Twenty minutes to go. Just get an extra body in in midfield. You know, if you're going to bring Jay off, I'd like to see Brownell come on. You know, then even yeah. if you know. We 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 got caught down the left, uh, down our left twice. McNeil wasn't tracking back. You know, maybe bring Peters on for a little. Maybe not. I don't know, but I just think his subs were wrong yesterday. You know, you can clearly see they were getting into the game, getting on top of us, finding space. You know, Dai said about the you know the distances went wrong, which is fair enough, and maybe it it allowed too much space, but. I just thought when Barnes come on, we just lost any shape at all, you know, and then we started hoofing it up to him. The ball was popping off him. I know George said he had people, you know, a few men round him. But you're a professional footballer. It don't matter if you've got men round and control the ball and pass it. That's what you get paid to do. You know, any I could play with 10 yards of space, control the ball and pass it 10 yards. You know, you, you know, you're watching the, you know, top, you know, you're watching top players, you know, Premier League players, they should be able to control the ball and give decent passes off. There was one ball they did yesterday, which just should have been an easy ball and just went straight through to the goalie, you know, and I don't want to just put the blame at Barnes, but I just, um, I just thought like that, you know, we, we can say what we want about options off the bench, but we have better options. And, and I think when we are winning 1-0 and, and, the, and the game's won, you know, we've. I think we have got to look to pat the midfield a little bit more. You know, that's just my opinion yeah. on it. Yeah, and I think we saw a couple of tweets heading our way that very much echoed that. I think uh, Mickey Watson, is it Mickey or Mikey? I never know. Mickey, I'm sorry if, if it is Mikey, but he said, he, he echoed that and kind of said that his tweet was, an ageing, creaking squad seriously catching up with us and they can't see out a full 90 minutes. So then you're relying on those substitutions, not just for like for like, but be able to rotate those squad players which we don't have, 
And then Danny Ward also tweeted in response to that and said, well, Brighton were proactive and they made changes from being in a behind position. We were so slow to react and there's none or little quality in those subs. And for me, that Barnes substitution was the absolute epitome of that. It was. We reverted to stereotype and we reverted to old where we suddenly thought, we, you know, it's like, let's try and defend this. Let's try and hold on to it. We don't seem to make that decision to go out there and try and kill off the game. And it is hugely frustrating. Um, George. Uh, it's, sorry to add that no, quickly, because no. I know George is victory fourth choice again now after being outstanding for the second half of last season. Who's I hope fourth not. Choice, sorry. I hope not. Vidra. It better not be, because I think for me that was... I mean, I was I was fully expecting him to start yesterday alongside Barnes as well, uh, Wood as well, sorry. And when Jay got the nod, I was just like, well, maybe maybe Vidra's just a little bit behind him in terms of fitness. But th- it drives me mad. He must have his justification for it. But the way that Vidra's been treated since he's been here, it's hardly any surprise that he wants to leave. It's just like, it's just... I'll, I'll never understand that. Um George, for you, quickly, because I know you've got to jump off in a minute, so we're going to we're gonna release you in a sec. Um, and me and uh, Rich will close out. Me and my favourite podcaster, Rich, will say, well, uh, what's it called? See out the show. Um, does Aaron Lennon do anything for that? Because a lot of people are fuming that we might be re-signing Aaron Lennon. To me, I don't necessarily mind it, providing that it's just a squad bolster. Um, if it's plan A and that's our only option, then that's disgraceful. But does Lennon, do, if we had Lennon on the bench yesterday, is that a better substitution um, for bringing McNeil off than McBarnes? I vote yes. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, the issue is, right, you've got two camps. And like obviously, you've got camp like, oh, Ashley Barnes is past it. Oh, he's, he's not impacting the game. Oh, the squad's creaking. You know, it is, it is ageing. But you can be, on, you can be saying, that I, I think Ashley Barnes has still got a role to play. And you can say that. And then you can also admit that the squad is ageing. And needs a complete reset. But the oh. issue is that we've been left in this situation by years of underfunding. So now the squad is the squad is, you know, an aging squad, but you can't you can't now change that overnight. I still think Barnes has got a role to play. I think maybe on the Vidra thing, I think it's important to mention, obviously, he was away this summer at the Euros, he came back late. Um he was getting he had his marriage, so he came back late. So, you know, maybe it's just the minutes in the legs. Uh same with Wood. Wood yeah. came back for the Olympics, so maybe that's why he didn't have as much to do in the second half with the game. And I think Aaron Lennon, look, at the end of the day, I, I, I love the ball because I, I, I love all the players who played in Europe for Burnley. You know, he, he represented Burnley in Europa League, played against Olympiacos, super. And he's a, he's a decent squad player. And the, the issue is, he's not, he's not a progressive signing at all. If you want to sign a brilliant winger, it's, it's not Aaron Lennon. You know, he's probably 34 now. But we need him. Like, we need him. We're, we're maybe going to sign this one winger, Maxwell Corner. Then the issue is, we've still got, only got three wingers. We've already spent nigh on thirty million between Collins and Corney. We need Aaron Lennon. Um, it's as simple as that, really. Yeah. And he's a he's a decent squad player for me. Um, you can bring him off the bench. He'll have an impact. He's got that now about him. Okay, he's not as quick as he used to be. He doesn't take on a fullback, but he knows how to get into positions. A lot of times, he's got into really good positions for us and sneaked in at that back post. That sort of attacking move, which Brownhill just doesn't have that that mindset up up top because he's the centre mid at the end of the day. So needs must we signing Aaron Lennon and I'll I'll support him when he gets here, but it does say a lot about our squad. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh very quick one on that though. I think Clarence Report tweet yesterday stated that um this is for you, Rich, because I think you you probably have a view on this, in that it doesn't actually ma- matter if we get Corney, Deitch will still play 
players out of position and give tricky players just eight minutes. And I think that was a bit of a dig at the Vidra substitution again yesterday. And, um, you know, does Daesh have to have faith in the players that are there to do the job that they're there to do? End of the day, if we're paying a lot of money for him, he's, 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 he's got to become a, a really valued member. No, I don't agree with that necessarily. I think once, Def- obviously, Defar got up and running with his injuries, he played every game, didn't he? You know, and he was, and he was a key part of that. You know, it, it, it may take a, a month or so for him to get used to it. You know, don't ex. It is an exciting signing, but I think people's going to expect Carne to come in and all, all of a sudden be like, we have Mares on the wing and kind of win his games for nothing, which. I don't think will happen. I'm happy with let's signing Lennon. If say if we got Carney and Lennon, and then Collins, I don't. That's not too bad of a window. I think what it highlighted to me as well yesterday, which has been forgotten about, we need a better player in central midfield. We need to yes. win. Win. And I know. And I know. they cost a lot of money. You know, look how good we was with Defar. Defar literally took us from a relegation team to a team that comes seventh. And I know he was a top top talent. But if if you you know look at Basuma, imagine if we had Basuma in our team, Natalie, oh, how God, much better we could be? Because he's not just high quality on the ball. Every time we we tried to press him yesterday, and other players give the ball away for Brighton. I, I can't remember him giving the ball. You know, you said about first half, maybe he didn't have the effect, but he didn't give the ball away under pressure. No, yeah, and, you're absolutely right. You know, and you've got that goal. He got it, and I was saying foul him. It drove through the heart of our midfield because they don't have the legs, you know, because he's, he's, a, he's a young, exciting player. He's drove through the midfield, and he's played a fantastic good ball, and they've scored. You know, that's something we're really, really lacking. Obviously, the wingers their priority, and rightly so at the moment, but that's, I think, another area. And I, I, I know we've talked about Maitland-Niles. I, I don't think we can afford him on a fee, but say if we did manage to maybe get him on a loan deal and play him central midfield, I think he'd be a really good signing for us. You know, Cork and Westwood have done unbelievable for this football club. But, you know, we have got to look at soon, you know, re- you know, replacing these players or, 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 or giving them more competition. I thought I, I was surprised Brownell didn't start yesterday, to be honest, um, because I thought he's looked really Who's sharp. Who's your favourite team? Do you play him with Westwood or do you play him with do, Cork? Do you know what? I honestly think I think it's much of a muchness. I really do. Okay. I think Westwood's the number one because I think he can create and I think he's got the legs. Cork's better yeah. on the ball and, and he's and he's tidy and he doesn't give it away. But you've seen sometimes as the game gets on, and he listen. It's the I, like I said before. I don't care who you are. You know you can have say like um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of two quality. You say two quality midfielders. If you're playing against three and you get overrun, it's very very difficult. Um, but there was times last season where we didn't create much at all because I felt Westwood and Browner was too similar. Um, you know, so I honestly think it's much of a muchness. That's why I'm saying I think we need a quality midfielder who can go in next to one of those two, who can really any of those three who can then really bring the standard up. You know, look how good Cork was in that season. We come seventh, but he but he still had the four next to him. We had Endrick in mid. You know, played you know played number ten. Yeah, I think George, you're a big fan of, of Cork and Westwood, though, aren't you? I think you had a point to finish upon this. Yeah, I just, I just think I, I really like Cork and Westwood, and I, I can see why people have an issue because obviously they don't create an enormous amount. But I think if we sign this Maxwell Corner, Rich touched on it before, we can go to a four-five-one because the issue is people are going to expect this Corner to come in, and you're thinking, right, let's get him in the first team. But then you think about it logically, and you think, well, 
A, he's a left winger slash left back. So we're not dropping Charlie Taylor. He's brilliant. Not dropping Dwight McNeil because he's brilliant. So then you think, well, how are you going to get him in the team? Well, you play a 4-5-1, which Dice has, you know, reverted to quite a lot over the years, especially the Europe season, Jeff Hendrick and Scott Arfield. You put McNeil in the 10 role behind the striker. You put Corny out on the left wing. And then you can play Cork and Westwood as your two really solid midfielders doing the engine room. And then you've got McNeil ahead of them, which uh, Rich was obviously touching upon. You need them three midfielders in there to overrun a team and create stuff. So I just think there's real potential for that. And also on the corner thing, people are complaining about the lack of transfers, which I think is completely justifiable. But think about it this way. If we sign corner, right, it's about 15 million. You know, we've had ons and what have you. About 15 million. That's 15 million on Collins. 15 million on corner. That's 30 million in the summer. That's more than Burnley have ever spent in a summer window. So I think that just yeah, gives a lot of perspective true. to it, really. And we're still massively behind the no, curve. No, no, you're true. That's you're true. true. We're saying... Because of years of yeah. underfunded. But the issue is, Pace can't, That's what Pace, Pace said, can't change that squad reset overnight. It just can't happen. That's why I think if we got a really good... Uh, I know sometimes they don't work and they maybe haven't worked as well for us, but they can work. If we got a really good loan player to come in, in in a midfield option, I think that would be good for us. I think George was spot on there. And then McNeil played number 10. You don't have to worry about him going back as much the other way. Because I don't... You know, I've seen people coming on Twitter again. McNeil's not trying and all this. It's nonsense. I just don't think he's got the defensive awareness. And he's been... McNeil's been asked to be a, a left back, a left midfielder, a central midfielder. You know, he's been asked to do everything for the team. A lot um, of pressure on very young shoulders. He, he was arguably at fault for both the two goals. I don't think it's a lack of effort, though. Um, you know, and that's maybe where you're looking at it with Dice. You know, could he could he bring it? What I thought odd about that sub was he brought McNeil off at one all, not at one nil. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That was just like bewildered me. That even bring even swap it over and put Goodmanson. But, no, yeah, I, I just think I'll just say before I have to go get my train back down south, uh, is that I think McNeil was, uh, to be honest, for me, at fault for both goals. You know, the, the issue of checking back, um, he really did leave Charlie Taylor exposed. So I know you're going to talk about the two goals later. That, that's my two pence worth there, or two cents. And I think, you know, if we bring Corn in and McNeil goes to a 10 roll, as you say, Mitch, it just frees him up. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of criticism of Charlie Taylor yesterday, but I think it, it is important to remember that he was exposed both times and there's only so many men you can track you can either go to the man who's got the ball or you can follow the guy who's overlapping and um, both times he stayed with the man the overlap was on and McNeil wasn't there which you know he just doesn't have that now as you say Richard he's probably tired so yeah but I'll leave you guys for this week yeah uh, it's been nice to be back on yeah thanks George Cheers. go and get your train safe journey back pal yeah, it's a funny one, that one. I'm, I'm going to start wrapping up as well, actually, Rich, because I think uh, I, this is a bit of a funny one, really, because we genuinely could be talking for a, another half an hour on this, and I'm conscious of not going massively over. Um, but I think I think he's right. I think that the, the pressure on McNeil's shoulders is just too much. You know, we expect him to do every single every single role, and he seems to get a lot of grief when he doesn't perform there. And I think a lot of that is fan frustrating because he is perceived to be our own talent in that area. Our own, obviously now JBG's back it's, it's better losing uh, Brady as well in the summer has not helped that because he's literally got all of that on his shoulders there's nobody who can come in and give him a break for the last 20 minutes um, but I do I do like the idea of him slotting into um, the middle in a 4-5-1 I think that kind of excites me quite a bit yeah definitely um, I do like the 4-4-2 and it, and, it, and it can work but I think this is what I you know it just 
there are a lot of times where we get overrun in midfield. What 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 teams have been really clever for doing now? Because we have our two banks of four, and they play an extra body in midfield. They put a man in the gap between the midfield and the and the defence, and he's always free. There's no one to pick him up. When you've got that player there, almost in that whole spot, he's he's got options. He can drive at the defence, like said Maximum did last season. Um, the Sheffield United game last season that happened when they scored and. You know, they got in between that gap. Yesterday, what Brighton did, Basuma drove through the middle when there was space, definitely for the first goal. And then he had that ball out wide. And then there's a two-on-one, you know, because we're not getting back, you know, because Mert Neal's maybe not tracking back as much. So I I, I just think the way modern football is going, um, I, I do think you, you need to have that extra, extra player in midfield, you know, People, you know, you you know, you looked at all the teams in the Euros who are playing the highest level of football. Not one of them played four four two. So I think if we did get Carney in and we can move McNeil inside, obviously if Carney's played left back, you know, he, he can obviously defend a little bit too. And I think it would help Taylor a little bit more. Um, yeah. You know, and and a, and a like us playing four four two because. You know, I've I've looked at the squad this season, and 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 obviously with Collins coming in, and, and we've got two really good attacking fullbacks. I think like a five-three-two, where McNeil can still play in the number ten, and you can have your two midfielders behind him, and you can still have your two strikers, which Dice like. So that might be an option where we might go to. Um, that feels because, very modern for Dash. Yeah, well, <laughs> but, but that's what it is. You know, I think this is the reason why he's not got another job. Yesterday, after 65 minutes, they got down that left, our left twice, and they didn't score. And you're thinking, yeah. change it, you know, whatever you do, make like shore up that left-hand side of defence. And I think we would have won the game, and he and he didn't. And I still think with his substitutions, he is reactive rather than proactive. He I is. think what Dish is brilliant at. I think I watched his press conference the other day when there's a lot of panic. He's very calm. He's very assured. He's obviously an unbelievable leader and he, and he gets players buying into what he can do. But I think his weaknesses and why he's still at Burnley is that he's not got enough tools in, in you know in his in his in his in his toolbox. And that's what's frustrating for me yesterday. You know, maybe people might come here and go, Oh, it's easy to say this now, but I actually thought it was pretty obvious what was gonna happen. Once yeah. about sixty-five minutes will come, and from you know, just get that extra body in midfield, or get an extra man at the back. I remember that season, we you know, one of the seasons he used to bring Tarkov when Keane was still there. He used to bring Tarkovsky on and put him in midfield. Mm. You know, to yeah, you know, we, we don't seem to be able, you know, like a couple of seasons ago, one nil up at Turf Moor, game over. You know, we might be on the back foot a little bit, but we didn't. You know, we we you know we got cut cut open twice in the last twenty minutes. Just played, yeah, you know. And, and this has become a pattern, hasn't it? You know, Southampton 2 and a lot, Newcastle were winning. You know, so it's just a little bit frustrating there. And just Are to add, Corne is starting for Leon. So I don't oh, know what say oh. is. I thought that that for me is a little bit of an alarm bell if he's supposed to be in talks. But again, we'll see. Yeah. Are you worried, final word, before we wrap it up? I think you've got to be realistic with the situation from both sides, haven't you? There's no point panicking too much now. From my common consensus and speaking to people, people aren't panicking just yet, but they're just disappointed because they feel they've thrown away points yesterday and, you know, and it would have been brilliant to get us off to a good start. And you can go to, you know, now you're looking at a tough run of fixtures and you're thinking, you know, where are we going to pick some points or or, or it's going to be difficult to pick points up? Um, 
But on the other hand, you, you know, you're looking at our squad and everything like that, and you've you got to think, course, it's, it's, it's going to be another long season. Even if we get Carney in or another winger, we're still short in other areas. So I'm so yeah. op- op- optimistic with, with our nows and know-how. Um, but, yeah, fingers crossed. Again, Alan Nixon, I know some people may don't tweet him. He said, Burnley, Carney offer at 14 million, but only 12, guaranteed. Leon want 15, close, but no cigar at this point. So maybe that's why he's starting. So, But play the fifth. This is what frustrates me about our transfer window. It's like, that to me, it's like 1 million, just pay it. I know, exactly. Just pay the money. Well, hopefully, if we are in talks, you know, surely for the sake of a million, we're not going to not do it. So, yeah. Yeah, good. Right, well, let's wrap that up there because um, otherwise, wait, I, I'm literally, I'm going to go on one and we're going to talk for an hour and a half podcast, which is not ideal for anybody. So, we're back, team. Thank you to George and to Rich for um, a fantastic episode where we analysed that disappointing defeat. And we managed to get a little bit of uplifting stuff in there. It's not all doom and gloom, listeners. It's a disappointing start to the season. There's a long way to go. So, fingers crossed we can find our groove. Um, my thanks as ever go to everybody else who contributed to making this podcast, to producer Matt, who, even though he did get us up on an earthly hour on a Sunday morning, and hilariously, me met we lost Tom because of drunken behaviour. Uh, we still love him for getting the podcast together. So thank you, Matt. Um, we've got some new podcast podcast music this season. You will have noticed that the feel of the podcast is a little different this year. Um, thank you for Ban Joyce, who have always provided our historic um, podcast music. That was very much appreciated. But we've refreshed this season and our music this season is provided to us by your local musician, George Gaskill, who has kindly written and donated the podcast music. Thank you, George. Um, but my thanks finally go to you, the listeners, for downloading and listening to this episode. Your support after all of these years is still very much appreciated and we would not be here without you. Dave and I will be back on Friday night with a preview show looking ahead to Liverpool and the rest of the team will be back for the main analysis show next Tuesday. Don't forget to subscribe to the Known and Ever newsletter. If you can follow that at knownandever.substack.com and we will see you next time. I've been Natalie Bromley. Until next time. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.